You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey guys, welcome to the Run the Riot podcast. Today we'll be talking with a man who's overcome a pretty significant medical issue to build himself up and do some amazing things. Yes, we'll be talking with Michael McKnight, who has just won the Triple Crown of 200s. He won all three of the 200s. And then won the best time for the Triple Crown, of course, because he won all three. So we'll be talking with Michael McKnight today. We get to talk a little bit about his story, uh, or quite a bit about his story. And then we'll talk about uh, some of the equipment that he uses, uh, about him being fat adapted, about his fueling, and about some things he's got going on in the future. So listen up as we talk with Michael McKnight. Today on the Run the Riot podcast, we have a gentleman by the name of Michael McKnight, and Mike's done some pretty amazing things lately, and um, man, we just want to get to know him, get to find out how he did what he did, and uh, so anyway, uh, welcome to the program, Mike. Glad to have you, man. Thank you. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, man. So uh, before we get into the 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 amazing thing that you just accomplished and some of the, the things you've been doing, man, I just want to... Uh, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about you, you know, um, kind of your, your background and how you got into running. And, um, and then we want to get into a little bit about, um, something that quick kept you from running for a little while, but, uh, but man, how'd you get into running? You've been running all your life. It's interesting because the thing I think that you want to talk about that prevented me from running is actually what got me into running. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I can relate. I can, I can relate to that, man. Okay. And, well, and, uh, <laughs> um, but no, I, I grew up on a dairy farm in a small northern uh, a small northern town in Utah. Okay. Um, town of like 200 people. It was a farm, uh, family dairy farm. So I spent a lot of time out there, and just between the farm, between school, I didn't have a lot of, or at least I didn't think I had a lot of time for any kind <laughs> of running. <laughs> um, I, I distinctly remember like I I did the scouting program and. When we got to like the physical fitness merit badge, we had to run a mile, and I just absolutely hated it. <laughs> oh, just every every experience I had growing up, like doing the mile fitness tests and PE, I hated. I hated all of it. So I, I was not fond of running at an early age for sure. It's funny how it changes. Yeah, <laughs> everybody needs to realize that when they're younger because they're missing out. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But so yeah, I. I, I didn't really – I started to get into – like I did football my junior and senior year in high school, but um, I didn't play that often. I rode the bench more or less just because <laughs> I didn't have a lot of talent and it was kind of too late at that point to become a star football player for high school. <laughs> and we did yeah. track for football, but I came in second to last every race, and I didn't really try to – like appreciate running till I was about 21. I trained for a half marathon with my sister just because I had nothing else to do at that point. Did pretty well at it, and then shortly after that is when I had that experience that kind of put me on hold for a little bit. 
Well, well let's let's talk about that experience, man. What uh, what happened? So this was roughly a few months after. So my half marathon was August of 2011. Uh, started running, uh, training, hoping that I could get to a point where I could maybe walk onto the college track team of the the university that I was attending in Logan, Utah. So I was training for a couple of months, and then um, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty big skier as well. And me and some friends, This is so this is February of 2012, about seven months. I know, I guess that's, I guess that's like six yeah. months after, yes. Yeah, just a few months after I started um, getting into running, we went skiing at a resort in northern Utah and uh, got a little overly confident uh, in the terrain park and went off of a, a jump going way too fast and as I was hitting the jump I like as I got on the jump I knew that I was going too way way too fast so I panicked and leaned back and launched off this jump leaning back and it was an icy day there was no powder anywhere so I landed what felt like pure concrete oh, on my, yeah flat on my back um, ambulance came up and picked me up took me to the to the emergency room where my mom was and had x-rays done and the doctor confirmed that I shattered my L1 vertebrae. Wow. And <laughs> next day had emergency surgery where they took out part of my hip bone and fused it to my spine and then put in two rods and nine screws. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So what was what was the prognosis? I mean, so, you know, I mean, when you're dealing with your back, the 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 outlook is were they was it questionable? Was it were they pretty sure you you weren't going to be able to do a lot of things or what what was the wait and see? So the the doctor said that I yeah, I could, my my vertebrae burst and <sighs> he said that I was super lucky because it burst a hundred percent away from my spinal column wow. he said i would have just landed in some weird other way and it burst towards my spinal column it would have paralyzed me so wow it was just a matter of going one way over the other that i could start that i could at least walk again <laughs> yeah that's that's a that's a blessing right there you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah wow. super, and then i remember too like two weeks after i broke my back um there was a girl on the track team at the college I went to who fell rock climbing and she broke her back and she was paralyzed. So that definitely hit home a little bit and made me stop being so bitter uh, about my experience because I at least um, was able to be able to walk again. But but no, so the doctor, um, yeah, after my surgery, my one of my first questions was when I could like start running again. <laughs> And yeah, all of us have been through that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any injury? When can I go again? Yeah. <laughs> um, and he told me, so yeah, this was February, and he told me I would essentially be in bed for months. Uh, that I could walk a mile a day with assistance. So he wanted me to buy a walker, and he said to walk a mile a day for my physical therapy. But aside from that, I'd be in bed. Uh, for months and then maybe in August September time frame I could start swimming do something that's no impact on my back wow and um, he said maybe a year 
from then, so February of 2013, I could maybe think about running again, depending on how my back was feeling. Wow. Okay. So that's yeah, pretty pretty long recovery then. And you're you're you know in your tw- you know early 20s and walking a mile with a walker. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I. That, yeah. yeah. Walking walking a mile with a walker. Had to drop out of college because. Well, I didn't drop out of college, but I incompleted my courses, which meant that my teachers just put everything on hold for a whole year. So we just kind of went forward with the plan. I would do my classes again, basically when I could maybe start running again. Um, So yeah, I dropped out of college, moved home with my parents. I'm 21. I'm walking with a walker. Um, I distinct, and I, I I don't know how appropriate this is for your podcast, but I I, uh, I distinctly remember the the day or two after my surgery in the hospital, I had to receive assistance on, on wiping. <laughs> hey, that's, that's it, it was wow. A girl, it was a girl who was an intern from one of my classes up on campus. Oh wow, that's so, that's humbling, man. Yeah, <laughs> that was in a pretty low spot right then. Yeah, no kidding, man. Golly, uh, so, well, was she, was she cute? I mean, you know. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's worse. That's even worse. I, know. I was so embarrassed. But so wow. yeah. Pretty low spot, um, but my recovery was much quicker than that, which super blessed, super grateful for. Yeah, so so tell me about the the actual timeline of your recovery. What what did it look like? So moved home with my parents, uh, did my mile a day. Mm-hmm. And it, was only, it was only like a couple, two or three days before I like start. So I was bitter for a couple of days for sure. Yeah, um, but I still did my walking, and then two or three days after the surgery, I started to push the limits in the sense where like I was like okay like I'm doing a mile a day it's taking me about 45 minutes let's see if I can do it in 40 minutes tomorrow so I like started trying to like go faster and as soon as I was able to do that faster within a couple days I decided to go for a mile and a half and then two miles (laughs) and yeah I figured like it wasn't hurting anymore to go the extra distance so like I kept doing it and uh, about three weeks after my surgery, I was walking six miles a day. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what did your parents have to say about this, man? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, so I, so I was also at that point told them that I was confident to move back up to campus. So, so they, three weeks after my surgery, they, they didn't argue and trusted me and I moved back to campus and um, I told him I was walking a lot, but I never told them that it was six miles a day. <laughs> <laughs> Golly. All right. <laughs> so yeah, this is about three weeks, three weeks and a couple of days after my surgery. And then so naturally, so, and this was also without assistance. I stopped using my walker. Okay. <laughs> so three and a half weeks, I'm just like, okay, you know, six miles, I feel pretty good. Like my back doesn't hurt any worse. So let's see if I can go for a half mile run. <laughs> wow. And so, how, how did that feel? How did how did it feel the first time you you, you started running? You know, I mean, I was super nervous for sure, but um, I, I wasn't in like extreme pain. The best way I can describe it is like my back felt super heavy and fragile. Um, yeah. like I was just worried that something was gonna snap, and I could tell that there was. I could tell that there was like some additional hardware in my back. Um, but I did it. 
and it didn't hurt worse than before I started. So the next day I ran a mile. <laughs> and then six weeks after my surgery, so three weeks after I started running, I signed up and ran a 10K. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, when was your next doctor's visit? <laughs> six, six months. Six oh, months really? Okay. Swimming. So, Wow, so you got sent home and okay. So did you have any PT or were you seeing a physical therapist at all or anything like that? No, it was just walk a mile a day and we'll see you in six months. <laughs> oh wow, okay. That's a that's that sounds unusual to me. Maybe it's normal. I don't know. <laughs> no, well, yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't know if it's normal or not, but that's what my that's what my situation was. Okay, all right. So, so you signed up for a ten k, and um, what was the when you went back for your six month visit? Uh, well, by by six months, what you had you done? What what else had you done by six months? Well, let's see, six months. That would be when would that be? That would be like August, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. that'd yeah. be around. So yeah, so I mean, at that point, I was running ten plus miles a day. <laughs> Because it got to the point where, so I lost my job when I broke my back because they were informed by a doctor that I would be bedridden for who knows how long. Um, and then, yeah, I and completed my classes. So, like, at this point, I, like, I had literally nothing to do. So I would, I would stay up late and play video games, wake up late, and then go run for 10 miles 12 miles and then go play video games again <laughs> you you were living a dream man <laughs> it was great. so yeah so yeah I, and that so that's that's what like you can never know what would happen if things happened a different way yeah but um you know i always say i found ultra running because i broke my back because um, it was roughly June or July that I finally was able to find another job, and uh, I made a friend there who, like, knew my story, and I told him how I just kind of fell in love with running, was running 10 miles a day, and he was like, hey, oh, there's someone here at the company that also likes to run, so you guys should, you know, meet up and go for some runs together. So he introduced me to him, and we were talking, and asked him what kind of races he had coming up. I remember I didn't like told him that there was like a 5k or 10k coming up and asked him if he was going to do that. And he, he wasn't cocky or anything like that, but he just said that I typically don't do races that are less than a marathon. And, and I had absolutely zero idea that anything existed above a marathon <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah. So he he was training for a 50 miler which he was gonna do in like a week or two, and then he told me that there was, like in the actual city that we lived, there was a hundred mile race through the mountains that he was prepping to do in a couple months. So he was the one that introduced me to it. He invited me on some runs with him. He invited me to pace him at that hundred mile, and I just fell in love with it instantly. Wow, wow. So when was your first uh, when was your first ultra marathon? It was a 28 miler in our hometown in Logan, Utah, and it was Ju June of 2013. So a year and a couple of months after I broke my back. That's amazing, man. That's 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 <laughs> awesome. That what what go from walking with a walker to I listen. I I, I started running. The reason I said um, I can relate a little bit. I started running after I tore my ACL in jujitsu, 
And my, I had never run a race and my goal was, I just wanted a goal to rehab it. So I said, I'm going to run a marathon within a year. And that's, that's what I did. And I thought I was, <laughs> I thought I was bad, bad mama jamma, but you broke your back, dude. And you're running. <laughs> running and and ACL is pretty bad too, man. Well, it, well, and then I blew it again on a trampoline in 2015. So we, oh, <laughs> we say, hopefully it's the last time, but uh, <laughs> same one. Yeah, same one. Oh. Yeah. So wow. So you did. Uh, you did a did a twenty eight miler around a year uh, afterwards, and then um, then then how did progr- I mean, it, I kind of know the story because a lot of our stories are similar. How did it progress from there? <laughs> it just so, it just yeah. It just it just kept going. I kind of jumped all in. I. Did a 50k two months later. Um, I did a 100k a year later, and then I did my first 100 miler in September of 2014. So about a year and a couple months after my first ultra. Nice. Now, then, now, sorry. How was you? How would no? Your back during during all this? I mean, did it did it hurt? Were you were you feeling it? Um, I mean, are you? Did it feel pretty strong? How how was it doing? So, so this is kind of a te- so I um I currently work for Ultra Footwear. Yeah. Uh, and so before, <laughs> before I found them, so this is kind of a testament to their product, or I guess you could say our product. But yeah. Um, when I first started running Ultras, I like I I tried every brand that I could find. I tried Solomon, Hoka, North Face, Pearl Azumi. Um, ended up falling in love with Pearl Azumi. Became an ambassador for them and. Um, but every single race that I did, uh, especially uh, 50 miles or above, every two, three hours, I'd have to lay on the side of the trail and stretch my back just because mm. it started aching. It never like hurt, but it was just so achy. But once I, um, once I found Ultra and like I started running in their shoes way before I ever worked for them, and once I found their product, that my I haven't had to do that once uh, since I've started running in ultras. So I, yeah, I get the occasional aches when I'm like sitting in a car for too long of a time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't hurt anymore. Nice, nice. What? Yeah. Well, well, I'm a, I'm a big believer in ultra too, man. I I I, uh, I ran my, that first marathon in the Vibram Five Fingers, and uh, I realized I needed zero drop but some padding and that was about the time uh they were coming out and um yeah man i've been been wearing them ever since so <laughs> love it <laughs> love it anyway. yeah so um so okay that's 2013 and so you you went on from there uh and just continued 2014 sorry yeah and then you went on from there um i mean how, how many uh, do you know about how many hundred milers you've done since then um yeah roughly so i did that was my first hundred and then i did two more before like the year mark of my first hundred okay so i did 300s my first year and (laughs) i've kind of made a tradition to do at least two a year since then so yeah you know that's that's roughly 10 or so that i've done nice Nice. Uh, and then in 2017 is when I started to get into the 200 mile races. So let let's talk about that. So this Sunday, um, and, and it'll when this comes out, Ben Light's um, uh, podcast will already have been out. But uh, 
So he he told me a little bit about how you how you got into the 200. So you, I, I want to hear it from your perspective. Uh, how'd you get tricked into doing that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, it was 2017, and I don't know if you've heard of the name DJ Lorchester. No, no, I haven't. Yeah. So he's a he's a runner based out of Salt Lake City, and he he kind of did the same but he had a really cool story we met at the zion 100 and he was like it was um his 136th day or 132nd day being sober oh, and nice. so he ran the zion 100 and then he was signed up to do the zion 50k the next day after the 100 <laughs> to sell <laughs> 132 days of being sober nice so yeah he, he's he's the kind of guy that just kind of like does a lot of races all at once and I remember in 2017, I was following him on Facebook, and he announced that he was doing something called the Double Crown of 200s, and it's kind of the similar effect of when I first met that guy at my job, and he told me he was doing a 50-miler. I had no idea that 200 miles existed, <laughs> so, so I followed him, and this was the Bigfoot and Tahoe 200. Moab 200 wasn't a thing when he was doing it. And he um, he ended up getting the overall combined record for the double crown, and he and I are similar runners. We place we place similarly in the races that we do. So the fact that he got that record kind of got my turning <laughs> a little bit that I could maybe get a record. <laughs> nice. So I started asking him questions about his experience and what he thought of it, and he he praised the distance and. So I jumped in and signed up for the Bigfoot 200 for – sorry, so that was 2016. Um, gotcha. So I, I jumped in and signed up for Bigfoot for 2017. And since it, it, I was a fairly newlywed, um, fresh out of college, so I was pretty poor, so I was waiting to save up before I signed up for Tahoe. Yeah. And then um, before I could sign up for Tahoe, Candace announced the 2017 edition of the Moab 200. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, that kind of tore me apart when she did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I, I, I said that three was going to be way too hard, so I, I stuck with Bigfoot. I didn't sign up for Tahoe. Uh, went into Bigfoot and did it in 2017, and it went fairly terrible, but I was able to... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my coach at the time, Jeff Browning, he... Gave me a lot of advice as to what he thought went wrong, and that made me wonder how I could do it the distance if things went right. So this was like a week after finishing. I went home and signed up for the next two. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. <Yeah. laughs> so, so 2017, you jumped in the all – you did the Triple Crown, and uh, what was your – you you, uh, you won the Triple Crown on that one, right? Yep, I got – it was just over 205 hours. I got 69 hours at Bigfoot, 67 at Tahoe, and 68 at Moab. Nice. Uh, and yeah, I was able to get the overall record for it, which all right was awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's that that's a that's amazing. So I've done I've, I did uh 2018. I did the Tahoe 200, and um and it was that's you know whole new whole new ball of wax. So <laughs> I want I want to know. So you were prepping for just, I mean, to go for one or two. Uh, what did your training look like 
for a 2017 Bigfoot? What did your training, you know, what did you do for that? Uh, I incorporated a little bit more power hiking. Okay. I, I didn't up my mileage that much just because Ben, I know, I guess I didn't know Ben at the time. Just, it was either DJ's advice or just from my research, um, the consensus that I gathered was at that point, like, if you can run 100 miles, you're physically fit and able to run 200 miles. It's just all mental <laughs> at that point. So, okay. So I didn't really up my mileage. There was once or twice that I, like, just a uh, because at that point, like, I finished all my hundreds, 24 hours or less. So mm-hmm. I, I never had to experience, like, the desire or need to take a, a nap mid-race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Training runs that I like went for like a. I remember once I did like the first 60 miles of the Bear 100 course and then met my wife at that place. It was like a campground and then we camped out for about four or five hours and I got up and went for a five hour run. <laughs> nice. A couple of those things were like I incorporated a long run, two long runs mixed in with some short sleep. Yeah. Well, and, and it's pretty interesting because that's uh, to prepare for, for Tahoe. That's kind of what I did. I upped my mileage just a little bit and incorporated some more some strength and some hiking and some things like that. Um, but just just so you know, because I'm going to pick your brain a little bit, I want to hear how things change for 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 2018. But I also, uh, I, I'm next year. I'm I'm in for the triple crown. So I want to I want to feed off of this, man. I want to learn something. So. <laughs> Yeah, so, awesome. Yeah, so so 2017 when you, when you did it, did you uh okay, those are those are some pretty good times. When I did Tahoe, I think it was 73 hours and some change. So did you did you sleep in 2017 for for those three? Yeah, I slept um I I'm not a good sleeper, but I I was probably able to sleep roughly 45 minutes or an hour for each race. Okay. All right. That's 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 not a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> more than i did this year though <laughs> yeah yeah we're, i definitely want to hear about that <laughs> so, so um okay so so basically you end up doing the triple crown not even really not even really planning to uh did you find that your uh in 2017 that i guess you know uh bigfoot kind of prepared you for tahoe kind of prepared you for moab I mean, I mean your fitness is there um what did you do to recover between them? I guess that's the big question. Yeah, the, two two years ago when I did it, I probably didn't do great for recovery. Um, okay. I didn't do anything. <laughs> okay, yeah, just <laughs> just just rested I, a little bit and whatever. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> okay. <run> once. Um, <laughs> I didn't really stretch. I just sat and ate. And <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, good. Well, I can see why you did far better this this year so all right so you did the triple crown man you 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 smoked it and um and then um what was your what was your next uh race after that i'm sure you took some time off after 2017 triple crown and what'd you do after that um i've realized that i'm like i got a problem i'm kind of addicted to this (laughs) yes well i i can relate so what'd you Yeah, I was planning on taking quite some time off, but I um I ended up doing a hundred miler two months later, and then another hundred two months after that. Well, you might as well use the fitness, right? I mean, you know, 
just, yeah. just wow. Pretty, I'll have to go back and look at my Strava, but like, like after Moab, like you know, I did the usual swear off running kind of a thing. Like I need a year off, and so I, I didn't. Moab ended October. I didn't run once in October. Ran here and there in November, and then like a week before this hundred, I was like, oh yeah, I can do that, and so I signed up. <laughs> Nice. Miles, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, um, well, let's talk about uh this last year. So I um, uh, I met you. We 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 met at uh, Western States, and yep. uh, so I know before Western States though you had you had some pretty. I mean, you had some good races this year, right? I mean, I did one race before Western States, and I was able I was able to win that one. Okay, that's. I, I thought I remembered that. I was. I was about to call up your uh, <laughs> your ultra side up, but uh, yeah. Okay, so so you were. You, I mean, having a good uh, having a good year. I know you you um, your Western States. Uh, how'd you feel about Western States, man? That was. And was that your first time running it? Yeah, that was my first time. Okay, all right. That was it was it was mine too. Um, and so um, I was thankful it wasn't too hot, but it was it was. I don't know. What did you What did you think about it? What was your thought? What were your thoughts on it? It's a tough course. It's um deceitfully yeah. tough. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I I um uh, it didn't go anywhere near how I thought. Like I definitely want to go back because I feel like I can do a lot better. But um I I try my best to like not make excuses for why a race goes poorly. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just simply not my day. But there, there was a lot of external factors that was kind of giving me stress before the race started that I took into the race because, you know, me and my wife, we just moved here to Denver. And I remember the day before Western States, we, or sorry, three days before Western States, we made an offer on a house that we hadn't even seen in person. <laughs> wow. The day before Western States, I got the inspection report back and it wasn't good. So we, didn't know what we were going to do and so there's just like a lot of external stress that i feel kind of wore me out even before the race started yeah Yeah. but you know it was just a bad day too yeah well i mean you still um you still did you still did a good job i mean it was a great you you had a you had a great time from from what i remember and uh you fit you finished before i did man so (laughs) 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 but um but anyway, so so that was uh, we we met there uh, briefly, and then uh, and then did you have any races? But you didn't have any races between there and Bigfoot, right? Nope, Bigfoot was uh, six weeks or so after Western. All right, so Western was probably, I mean, really good training uh, <laughs> for, for, for right before Bigfoot. Um, so this this time going to Bigfoot after learning what you learned in 2017. Uh, what did your time end up being this year for, for Bigfoot? Bigfoot was, um, 51 and a half hours. Okay. So you, you significantly, uh, just, just crushed your time. You brought it that way down. So what, what do you think? I mean, what did you do differently? What, what, you know, what was the the deciding factor there? What, um, a lot of mental changes I made, I feel really helped me out with this i i went into the race a little bit more confident and like eager to like really throw down a, a good time yeah. just because it, the triple crown in 2017 each race had something that happened which made me walk like 
close to half of the race. Mm. So I was just like, if I can just like, I'm fit. I'm fit. If I can just like hold it together, I, I know I can get a good time on this course. So like go like leading up to the race, like every single run that I did, like it's, it's, it's going to sound cheesy, but like every single run that I did, like I would envision myself like every half mile crossing the finish line in first. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, hey, I, yeah, I believe in that, man. It, it, it whatever <laughs> people say it's cheesy, but, but yeah. it, so much of what we do is mental, man. So you, you gotta do, you gotta play tricks like that. That's <laughs> And then the biggest thing, um, which I kind of, I learned from a, a podcast I was listening to on the way to Bigfoot, um, which got me thinking, but there was a podcast with a, there was a guy that his name is Tosh. And um, he and some friends did this like challenge where they put a, um, they each put a treadmill in their own shipping container. Um, like where there's like no windows, nothing. They sealed it off. It's pitch black and it's a treadmill that, manually moves like there's no motor to it so it runs i forgot what it's called. do you know which treadmills i'm talking about yeah i know what you're talking about and i think i heard about this they were trying to well, yeah go, go continue on they're they trying to see how far they could go in in a container with no light or something yeah like a completely they said sensory sensory deprivation so the point was they were each in the shipping container for 24 hours and they were each seeing how far they could go and they, <laughs> had no light, they had no way to know how many miles they'd gone, they have no way to know what time it was, they just kept going until the door opened. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to have to look that up, because I, I, I read something about it, but I never, uh, I never listened to it. So, <laughs> so that inspired you, man? Well, yeah, so well, something that the guy said, like he, he was saying that he had like a lot of mental conversations with himself where he would like, like say, okay, Tosh, like, you know, how are you feeling right now? And they'd be like, well, my knee hurts a little bit and my quad hurts a little bit and I'm tired. And then he would go back and say, okay, like he had conversations with himself where he'd acknowledge what was going on and then just deal with it. Um, and that kind of resonated with me because I realized that Western States, like I had my splits made up and like when I came into like the first crew aid station at Robinson flat, I was like, 40 minutes behind my splits and when I found that out like I just kind of shut down and like had a pity party and <laughs> like I, I feel like I just like because I knew I was behind I just kind of gave up that early in the race and I ended up finishing slower than I would have if I just like didn't care yeah and so going into Bigfoot like and I and sorry and the other thing too is like during Western I would just like try to hide the pain like like if, if my quad would hurt, I would just be like, okay, your quad doesn't hurt. Your quad's fine. Just you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. But like I wasn't fine. And so it would upset me. <laughs> and so, so at Bigfoot, I made it a point to like do what he did where I would acknowledge that I am indeed hurting. Um, but then I'd just be like, okay, it's like mile 80. Like all the other racers are probably feeling that way. And you knew that you would feel this way at one point. So that's totally okay. And yeah. so I, I, I acknowledged I was in pain, but I was okay with it. I didn't lie to myself, and then I didn't make splits at Bigfoot. So, like, I I didn't know until mile 175, um, Ben Light was actually pacing me. And I told him and my wife, like, don't tell me at any point in this race what target I'm in on until 
after mile 150. And so at mile 175, Ben was like, dude, you're on course record pace. And I had no idea at that point. So I really feel that just shutting out all of the expectations that I might have for myself and and just running according to how I feel really like helped out because my mental like I was able to put all of my energy into running instead of worrying about how far behind I was to my split. Nice, nice. Isn't it crazy how how much? I mean, it's it's it is a physical sport, but so much of it is is in our heads, man. You know, um, so so much of it. I mean, the last hundred I'd, miler I did, I was struggling a little bit toward the end, and then I was able to just tear up the last mile and run. And I was like, where was that? You know, 10 miles ago, you know, where was, well, nothing's changed, you know, just my brain, you know, it's like, exactly. yeah, our mind has so much power in this, this sport. Yeah, man. So, um, so yeah, you, 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 you crushed Bigfoot and, um, Oh, I, I need to ask you about this. So what did you, um, and, and, We'll talk a little bit more about this after we finish the triple crown. But what did you what did you fuel? How was your your fueling and stuff for uh for Bigfoot? And and was it any different um, from 2017? Yeah, it was a lot different. I um so the thing that didn't change is I use gnarly nutrition for my electrolytes. They have a pretty good electrolyte powder that I like to use. But okay. Um. Strangely enough, most of my calories at all three races were fruit based. Um, mm. I during like at all three races, I made a point to not have any real food until the second day. So I did spring energy a lot, and I did occasional potato chips. Um, but for the most part, like I carried freeze dried fruit with me. Hmm. have fruit at the aid stations i carry grape juice and apple juice in my water bottles and then at the actual aid stations that my wife was at she had um some smoothies made up for me and i would drink smoothies wow okay just, so 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 for, so for the first part of the race that's that's basically your fueling and and then <laughs> I, I did that for the whole race but oh okay okay the difference is that, like, in day two and day three, I would also have, like, potatoes and bacon at the aid stations. Okay, so you didn't do what I did, man. I had, I don't know, about ten hamburgers, cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, gotcha. yeah, I just did a ton of fruit-based stuff. Okay, interesting. That's cool. Um, all right, so you, you, you crushed that one. How did you do uh, – how was your recovery? Or what did you do differently, uh, your recovery this time around between uh, Bigfoot and Tahoe? Yeah, recovery was great. I took a week off, and then um, for the three weeks leading up to Tahoe, I – or after I took a week off, the three weeks leading up to it, I uh, would just run like a uh, – not a slow pace, but just like an easy – aerobic pace for 45 minutes every other day and then the other days i would do hour uh power hiking workouts on my treadmill and then okay. the strength train and do core work two or three times a week in between or yeah so a little bit of core work a little bit of strength training and then running and hiking every other day nice nice cool all right um all right uh then you know, did you feel pretty pretty recovered? Did you feel strong going into Tahoe? Yeah, yeah, I felt a lot more confident at this one than I did two years ago. 
And I definitely, like, I relied at Tahoe. I relied on my downhill and my power hiking a lot more at Tahoe than I did at Bigfoot just because at Bigfoot I was actually able to run um, a fair amount of the uphill. Where Tahoe, I just did not have a lot of kick on the uphills, so I just had to really drive it down with my power hiking and make up some time on the downhills. Gotcha. Aside from that, like I felt great, no, no like maintenance issues, no hip or knee or anything, just just tired on the uphills. Yeah. Nice. And then so any anything um so Tahoe went. I mean your time was awesome. Uh, No no issues. I kind of did the same kind of fueling and everything for Tahoe, huh? Yep, same kind of fueling. The the fu- the fun part about Tahoe was I experienced my first um, like really losing touch with reality. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I don't know if you experienced like like at the other two hundreds I would like hallucinate in the sense where I would see something. Like, I remember once, and this is kind of graphic, but I remember once at Bigfoot I saw a tree that was full of dead cats hanging <laughs> by a rope in a tree. Are you are you um, seeing a counselor about that or something? <laughs> uh, it, was, it was pretty morbid, but, like, I knew going up to it, like, okay, that's not that's not a tree full of dead cats, but I, I physically cannot tell what that is, and I couldn't tell what it was until I got, like, right next to it. So I I had those experiences where like I would hallucinate but no I was hallucinating. Yeah. But uh, the second night at Tahoe there was like about a two two and a half hour period where I I was I was in a completely different world, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you just you lost your mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was crazy. I I yeah I can. I did the same thing into the second night when I did Tahoe. I, I remember wondering why I was on the trail and, and <laughs> trying to, I didn't know what I was doing and I just kept, kept moving forward and every now and then reality would kind of come in and I was like, whoa, I'm, <laughs> am I on trail? You know? It's like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't, did you, so uh, you had a, you had, you had a pacer for Tahoe also? No, I was by myself at Tahoe. Okay. Yeah. I can, that, that's even, yeah, more interesting when you're by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, so, so you got got through Tahoe. Uh, did I'm assuming did the same kind of recovery to get ready for Moab. Yep. Yep. And then Moab. Uh, how'd you feel going into Moab, man? Was it was it? Uh, I mean, you, now you've got you know 400 miles of racing on you, where you you crushed them, and uh, now you're going into 240 miles in Moab. <laughs> yeah, um, I was feeling pretty caught. Like, I, I didn't have the goal to win Bigfoot or Tahoe. That just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, but going into Moab, I was like, you know, it'd be kind of cool to say I won all three of them while doing the triple. So yeah. I definitely like had that more pressing on my mind than the other two did. Yeah, and then you line up with David Goggins, right? You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah that was fun. Um, I, I, did did you move the markers to get him lost, man? Is that? What <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay, all right, all right, just checking. <laughs> but the first, the first, uh, I was definitely the most worried at Moab once we started because I was super exhausted and mm. 
Like, you know, at Tahoe, like, I was tired, but I was able to consistently push it without feeling too bad. But at Moab, for about the first 50, 55 miles, I I felt like I was redlining the whole time just wow. to, like, I, I, it was hard to run the ups. It was hard to run the flats. Like, I was super worried, but I was just pushing, pushing, pushing. Me and David were running together and switching places back and first for about the first 50 miles. And um, I remember coming into, it was about the mile 62 or so aid station, and I just sat in a chair, and I was just, like, super worried about how the rest of the race was going to go. But um, the, So at that point, even though I felt like I was redlining, me and David were both switching between second and third place. Yeah. Um, in the first place, gosh, he he took off like he was running a 50k from the get-go. Yeah, I was I was watching it. I said this guy's either gonna crush it or blow up. I'm. Not... <laughs> he was. Yeah. Well, the funny yeah. thing was too, like you know, we're in the sand, and I remember like when I was in second place, I could see his footprints, and occasionally mm-hmm. like I would start running and like try to match where his footprints were landing, yeah. just measure like how fast I had to go to like keep up with his footprints. And like I felt, I felt like I was full on sprinting, right? Trying to keep up with his. <laughs> wow. They're super far apart, but um, I did notice before going into that aid station that the footprints were like gradually getting closer and closer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the aid station captain at that place told us that he just left like ten minutes ago, and mm. so that kind of like gave me the mental boost that I needed. Where I just I got out of there, I took off, I passed him, and. You know, it was mile 68 or whatever, and I was in first. And at that point, I was able to push it a little bit more and, and be more confident that I could get through it. Nice, nice. Well, man, uh, just huge, uh, huge accomplishment to do that, to win all three and then to win the Triple Crown. And, uh, you know, I'm coming for you, man. I'm, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> <You Yeah, know? laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> go for you. Yeah. No. What what advice do you? I mean, you know, I have I've done the Tahoe 200. What advice do you have for for um, for those of us? I think there's a rec. There is a record number of people going for the Triple Crown. I think like I think Candace put like 52 or something like that for for next year. Yeah, um, two weeks ago too. Yeah, yeah. So what what advice do you have for us, man? <laughs> <laughs> um, man. This, you know, this distance is like so new and everybody, yes. so, what, what, one thing that works for one person might not work for another, but right, right. I definitely think that, um, that shutting out all expectations and running just according to feel, um, really helps more than what we realize. Yeah. Um, you know, because like I said, Jeff Browning is my coach and he made a huge point through my training to, help me reduce as much stress, um, mental stress as possible because when we're stressed, our body is doing extra work to try and relieve the tension. And yeah. so, you know, in like in a training aspect, like if you're, if you run in the morning and you're trying to recover from that run, but you're stressed all day, you're, you're essentially not allowing your body to recover. And mm-hmm. so it's in a constant state of agitation and, and not recovering in a way that you need to. So um, I really made it a point to like eliminate stress leading up to the race, um, during the race, and 
and just really focusing on making sure my mental game was as strong as possible. So, so I really think eliminating stress and focusing on your mental game is a, a big aspect um, of it. Yeah. And then, um, just yeah. <laughs> do, do, do I remember right? Did, did you guys move in between uh, the two hundreds? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I thought yeah. I remember. I thought I remember seeing that man. Well, was it a non-stressful move? I guess. <laughs> well, see, so that was physical stress. Like I just, okay, all right. I accepted it, and I wasn't letting it like mentally. Okay, so yeah, that's... that's a whole other story in itself, dude. Like <laughs> between so like the week after Bigfoot, um, me and my wife and her father drove to Denver and spent an entire week repainting our house. We were, like, on our feet all day. I remember one night we were up till 4 a.m. painting, and this was, like, a week after Bigfoot. Wow. And then the next one between Tahoe and Moab, um, less than a week after the finish of Tahoe, we packed our things up and moved to Denver and then unpacked, and, like, less than two days after I unpacked the final box, we were driving to Moab <laughs> to start the <laughs> <laughs> wow. So uh, you know, you know what? No, that that's a, that's a huge lesson, though. That that you say you you accepted it, and it wasn't you didn't let it stress you out because you know it just it is what it is, and we'll get it done. And you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just just feel okay. That's because I remember seeing that, and I was thinking, wow, that's <laughs> hmm. <laughs> body's trying to recover, and it, it doesn't need to be stressed right now. Think think of it as a uh, active recovery while you're moving stuff and everything, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That into some training plans. There you go. Go clean a house for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also been on a journey for I guess a couple years now, uh, being fat adapted. And so, how long have you? How long have you kind of had that uh, keto-ish diet? And uh. And I, and, I, and I also picked up your taking it to the next level, and uh, I need to ask you about that too because I attempted it also. So uh, yeah. how long have you been doing the, the, the Fat Adapted? So I started it the the year I did – so I started it in 2017, the year of the first Triple Crown. Okay. Um, I gotcha. started in April, but um, I was trying to figure it out, and I cheated a lot. Yeah. Um, so this year, at the start of this year, is like the first year where like I'm pretty strict and 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 use carbs strategically and when I quote cheat unquote like it's with good stuff like an extra serving of fruit and and not a triple thick shake from Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the first year that I've like actually been pretty strict with with it. Nice. Do, do you do um do you have any uh, cheat days or anything like that? I mean, or is it just like like you said when you cheat, it's it's whole foods and healthy things like that. Um, I'll like like I'll like, I found um so I, I I found through all this all that I have issues with lactose, but um I found this like ice cream is definitely my biggest weakness. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. But I found this um this brand the coconut ice cream and they have a couple flavors where they basically use fiber to sweeten it oh. like in the whole pint there's like something stupid like six grams of sugar is is that like the uh rebel is that the name of it the rebel brand no so delicious oh, okay 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 gotcha i'm gonna have to check that one out too All right. so yeah 
<laughs> I'll cheat with that occasionally, and I'll sometimes like have some sweet potato fries from a restaurant. Mm-hmm. But okay. I, I never have any grains. I never, no grains. I never cheat with that. Okay. All right. Well, um, so I guess about uh, a year ago, I did a uh, 30 days on the, the carnivore diet. 30? And uh, what's that? Did you say 30 days? Yeah, I did it for 30 days. Wow. And so, um, and, but my experience with it, even though I did, I was eating fatty meats and ate, you know, tried to, tried to do it right. Um, my experience with it was I just, I, I had trouble, uh, in my training, uh, with it. I just didn't have that, um, extra oomph that I, that I needed. And, and, um, and so I saw you were kind of playing around with that a little bit. So <laughs> how, how, how'd that go for you? Or how is it going for you? Um, I just did it for a week. I like I liked it. I think, mm-hmm. like, just to go along with what you said, um, I think there's a place for it. And yeah. I've talked a little bit, like, Jeff Browning and Zach Bitter, they're, like, the king of fat adaptation. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, right. <laughs> yeah, I talked to them a little bit about it. And, like, when you're, like, in a block of – like when you're in a period where like you're not really training, but like when you're not in your peak training time, it makes sense to do it. Like even like right after a race, because you're maxing out your protein, mm-hmm. um, it's essential for recovery. So it, it's it's a good strategy for recovery. But like I, I'm back to running 10 miles a day and doing a long run this weekend. So yeah, yeah. for that kick and stuff, like carbs are definitely essential, but yeah, I, I, I incorporate it more during uh, strategic times throughout my year. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and I man, I was I was ripped at the, at the end of thirty days. I, I was I was ripped up, but um, but I had a, you know just didn't have a, a kick like I said. <laughs> and, nice. and I saw I saw um so just real in a I guess a um real brief. I saw you were doing some you did some fasting. Do you um. Do you incorporate fasting regularly or, or do you uh, just kind of just do it after races or, or at, you know, certain times when your training's not heavy or something? Um, I Once a week I'll fast breakfast and then once a month I fast for, fast for 24 hours. Okay. Uh, but it was actually because I was like doing research on carnivore that I found that, I mean, there's some crazy dedicated people who are following <laughs> this carnivore thing. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And some of them, like, I, I found out that it's not uncommon for people to be doing multi-day fasting. So I I attempted to go for six days because some guy in a carnivore group I'm in just did that. <laughs> so I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. I want to try that. <laughs> so I, I lasted 48 hours. I'm like, this is stupid. I, <laughs> I, I just did a 48-hour uh, bone broth uh fast uh kind of I, I after my last race i kind of uh fell off the fat adapted wagon and pigged out a little bit and i, <laughs> I wanted to do a, a nice little reset of the gut and everything else so i did a 48 hours with just beef bone broth and uh-huh. uh that first day was rough but the second day i felt you know fine and it kind of got me back into ketosis and and uh it was it wasn't as bad because i got to drink bone broth so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, that's so, a, a cool thing to do. Yeah. Well, man. Um. So I I like to uh to finish off with asking uh basically kind of kind of about what gear you're using and um and so I'll just kind of throw out the piece of gear and you can you can tell me 
you know, what, what you're using. Cause, uh, you know, I, I find it interesting to, and I know a lot of, a lot of listeners are wondering what everybody's using, what works for them. So, um, what are you using right now for, or, or what did you use, uh, for your last few races for a hydration pack? Uh, ultra spire. Nice. I'm, the, uh, uh, Zygos. Zygos. Uh, is that, 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 that's what you use for the triple crown? Yeah. Yeah. I used okay. to run the Nathan, but that was just kind of, I had um connections with the I was friends with the athlete manager who's no longer with them and now I'm friends with the uh, the international sales manager at Ultra Spire so <laughs> nice. I just, yeah whoever I have friends with I just kind of support their companies <laughs> yeah that's cool that's cool I, I'm on the Ultra Spire um, Immortal team and uh yeah I like that I like their stuff so that, cool. that, that, that's that's cool but their their packs are packs are real good and uh, so what do you uh, what are you using for your illumination yeah, your your light, <laughs> your headlamp or waistlamp illumination. <laughs> okay, I got it. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, it's all right, man. No, I know they have their waistlamp, but I I actually used Kogala. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm friends with Ben Light too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I told uh told Ben Light uh when he was uh pacing Dion for Western States, and they came up behind me, and I said I thought I was about to get run over by a truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. so I, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Um, and then uh, I know the brand of shoes you wear, but what trail? Which uh, which ultras are or did you wear for the Triple Crown? Or what's your favorite trail shoes, man? Uh, I would alternate between the Lone Peak and the Timp. Okay, gotcha. And then at Moab, since there's a lot more slick rock and stuff and road, I used the Torin a fair amount. Really? Okay, that's good to know. Uh, I'll put that in my pocket there. <laughs> yeah, slick rock road shoes are great for slick rock. Okay. All right. I didn't 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 even think about that. All right. Good. I, mean, you, Good. I don't know if this scientifically makes sense, but if you think about it, like if you do not have tread on slick rock, then you're having more surface area of the shoe that's actually touching the rock. Yeah. So it's more grippier, in my opinion. But yeah, don't quote me on that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll I'll make sure I bring them with me. Yeah. So. All right, and then um, what uh, what are you using for GPS? Sunto. Okay, gotcha. That's same here. Yeah, Sunto Sunto nine or uh, which one you got? Yep, yep the nine. Yep. Okay, that's that's the one I got on my wrist now too. Nice. All right, and then you're using you said uh, for your electrolytes gnarly. Yep, I use gnarly for electrolytes. Cool. Cool. All right. What what else? Anything else you're you're wearing or using uh, that that you want to throw out there? Um, squirrels nut butter for chafing, of course. Gotcha. And then I rabbit apparel, okay. and I use I uh, I used to I'm pretty blind, but <laughs> I, I used to wear contacts until they started irritating my eyes. And so now I use Rudy Project, and they have some pretty good um, prescription glasses that don't bounce around and, and get the job done for chill running. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm looking at your, your picture right now on the Skype thing, and I think that's the ones you're wearing <laughs> for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love nice. it. Nice. Well, um, real quick, man, before we get off, what's, what's next for you? Um, I signed up for Biggs. We'll see if I can. <gasps> <laughs> nice yeah. nice yeah. um i i was hoping to give across the years ago but me and my wife are having a baby next month so i think that's a little too close 
Yeah, well, congratulations, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Cool. Dude. Yeah. So uh, I I I did see she was out there supporting you and uh and um she was with child. So that's <laughs> yeah, she's she's. <laughs> She she supports you pretty good, and oh man, with your racing and everything. Yeah, she's she's a saint. She she does a lot for me. Nice. That's, yeah, man. My, my wife too. Uh, we can't do what we do without them. So it's oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, man, I'll, I'll be crossing my fingers. I, ho- I hope you get into bigs. I'd love to see you uh, out there slugging it out, man. That, that'll be fun. Thanks, man. The the field looks pretty intense already. I don't know if you've been following it. Uh, I, I saw, I saw a couple other people, but I can't remember who it was I saw entered. Who else is going to be in it? Or who else is trying to get in it? Well, Maggie's doing it again. The one that oh. was here. Um, right. yeah, she rocked it. She looked, fr- she looked fresh at 250, man. Yeah. That's, That's crazy. And then, uh, Courtney and Camille are both in. Yes, I did see that. I did see that. Yeah. Oh man. I, ho- I hope you get in to slug it out with them. That'll be fun, man. <laughs> be fun. <laughs> We'll see what happens. Yeah, I know you're working on a book. Uh, is that how's that going, man? You got it. You got any date or time, or you just slu- <laughs> you just working on it, slugging it out while you while you can? Um, yeah, I'm just working on it. I okay. All right. Um, I actually, I mean, it's gonna get out eventually. When is this podcast coming out? Uh, probably, probably about three weeks, two three. weeks. Cool. By the time this gets out then it, it will be announced but i actually gave my two weeks at ultra today oh wow okay um, man okay <laughs> yeah so i'll have a little extra time to do my book <laughs> all right so you, you'll be working on your book and uh I'm, you're going to be doing some coaching focusing on coaching and stuff like that and speaking yeah and then um there's a couple other things in the works that i'm just waiting to get a couple contracts from before i really okay. t- about it but yeah there's some stuff in the works all right all right man well look I, man definitely uh we'll be following and then i'll have i'll have all your links uh social media links and stuff in the show notes so people can follow you and see what's going on and hear about the book and everything else man so uh man just thanks for for sharing and uh man just looking forward to your future adventures <laughs> thanks it was good talking with you Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the conversation I was able to have with Michael McKnight. I hope you uh, come out the other end a little bit challenged, a little bit encouraged, and uh, maybe ready to run a few miles and run some big races. Hey, uh, if you want to check out the show notes, we'll have some of the the links to his Instagram, to his Facebook, and some of the other things that we talked about if you go to www.runtheriot.run. And uh, just look for the show notes, look for the episode there with Michael McKnight, and you can click on that and there'll be the links there. Uh, Also, guys, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, share it, please rate it, Um, encourage your friends to subscribe and check it out. Maybe you got some friends running 200s and they need to... Need a little information. Uh, last week's with Ben Light and this one with Michael McKnight uh, is full of information from guys who have done it. So uh, check that out, man. And I, man, I just hope you guys are having a, a great time. Hope you have a blessed day. And uh, man, just keep running. Talk to you soon. 